Sairam, dear listeners, and welcome to Trist with Divinity, our series of conversations with people who have been touched by the love of Bhagwan Baba. Today we bring you the third part of our conversation with Dr. Ravi Shankar Poli Shetty, an alumnus of the Sri Satya Sai Vidya Vihar, Hyderabad, where he did his schooling. Dr. Ravi Shankar later moved to Russia to do his bachelor's in medicine. He is an MD in general medicine. MS in general laparoscopy and laser surgery and also an MS in cardiovascular surgery As on October 2013 when this interview was recorded he continued to serve as the head of the department's cardiology and immunology ANO research institute for immunopathology Moscow Medical Academy Russia also a consultant department of cardiology John Hopkins University Baltimore Maryland USA Additionally he is also the senior consultant cardiovascular surgery OOO Money a private company in Moscow He has been the former clinical trial coordinator for Arbor Surgicals California USA as well as former medical advisor Speed Wellbeing Green Templeton College Oxford University United Kingdom Besides all these positions and responsibility in cardiac surgery he is also the CEO and director research and development Sai Ganga Panacea a limited liability company and this is into serious ayurveda in fact it is bhagwan who personally directed dr ravi shankar to pursue ayurveda in the first part of this conversation he shared how he moved to russia and felt the presence of bhagwan there so strongly which transformed his life and drew him closer to bhagwan later he went on to narrate how he was greatly prodded by swami to study and do research in ayurveda and how this led him to unravel some of the mysteries of sanskrit language which is the language of the vedas eventually giving him better understanding of the principles of ayurveda Today he continues to share how Bhagwan has given him revealing insights about the human body and disease treatment and prevention which he has used to help many patients. In conversation with him is Radio Sai's Bishu. So Charaka mentions that because integrating the data that you generate from 24 trillion reactions is literally impossible it literally impossible he says that you have to identify the common attributes of these reactions and then he says there are just 18 attributes <laughs> and these 18 attributes are further classified into vata pitta and kapha that's the beauty of ayurveda oh it's not that they didn't know all these things they knew all these things so mm. how do i know because you look at the stupa that is built in the ajmer Hmm. that stupa which was built 2700 years ago has got, i mean the greeks they write in their book the mohammedans they write in their book called maktaba islamia they try to break that stupa it seems but nothing could break it the metallurgy of that stupa was so complex that they found when I mean, how did indians come up with this with such a great stupa that could not be shattered or broken by anyone so many invasions happened and no one could break that stupa So for me I mean when I read the scriptures with this perspective with this perspective because all the 7 million chemicals so if they knew 6000 years ago <laughs> in heart finding something new we yes. have actually downgraded ourselves <laughs> yes according to me yes. and then india 
was a place of advanced civilization and advanced uh, the, technologies the, were there the only difference when you look at it now is the rishis went inside and got all this information no they did both they did both actually they went inside yes. and then modeled outside okay because you have all the vimanas see if you look at the vaimanika prakaranam yes. that's a part of the adharvana veda that, that yes. deals with entirely the aircrafts and then yes. the yes. nlos i mean the ufos yeah. Yeah. these are all mentioned that there is a tripura vimana there are 27 different types of aircraft aircraft including single passenger aircrafts yes i mean if you look yeah. at the way mahabharata war i mean yes. the, the west that arjuna war yes was approximately 1000 kilos the west that's oh what God. is it mentions vastra mm. but no one looks further beyond yeah the vastra weighs about 1000 kilos it seems which means he was wearing not a simple vastra this vastra would wear not not more than 1 kilo so but as you mentioned in the vastra will have 81 meanings <laughs> that's true that's why one of the meanings of vastra is that one va is not which is not stra is sa ta ra becomes stra so that which is not either satvik or tamasik or rajasik which is beyond oh is vastra <laughs> so i mean it's amazing when you know sanskrit then then how do i base it i'm not a fanatic indologist or something like that i have base to talk about this because the vastra is made according to vedavyasa is made of 16 metals Mm-hmm. that's what he mentions he mentions that there are 16 metals of which we know nine we could decode nine the rest of the seven we don't know because one of the metal in the vastra that was worn by arjuna to defeat a certain asura i forgot you know lord krishna says you kill this asura then only we'll be able to win this war in that war the arjuna then wears that vest and he goes chasing this and he goes to all the atala vitala sutala talatala rasatala patala and then all these patala lokas he yes. goes yes. arjuna chases him all the way and then he goes to the divine worlds also it's yes. burbhuvasuva majanata yes. pasatyalok apart from the satyalok every mm. loka he goes mm. arjuna chases and then he finally catches hold of him and then pushes him beneath into the patala mm-hmm. and then kills him there mm-hmm. with this vastar so how did arjuna travel all these according to me that's a kind of spacecraft that arjuna was inside so mm-hmm. that which is beyond the satvik rajasik tamasik so that was beyond space see he traveled at the speed of the mind with this vastra i mean that was a that <laughs> was when you look at it i mean they, they were far 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 more advanced they very advanced than what india is not we're not talking about some primitive civilization i don't buy this concept at all very very advanced civilization highly sophisticated highly scientific but the thing is you know the message for me from ramayana or the mahabharata is that you know however advanced you are the moment you know dharma goes down Correct. everything goes down yes and for the sake of dharma you have to forego forsake everything that's what lord krishna yes. demonstrated and yes. then that's what swami also continuously do that's my mm. message that's what mm. i learned from this yes but then why i have touched the subject is because when you look at the archaeological remnants the excavations that were done but there are 3000 places in india and pakistan where these archaeological excavations done i don't know somehow everyone forbids us to go there but then when you read the material that is already published in the form of papers scientific papers you know the site looks as if a sudden nuclear catastrophe occurred Mm-hmm. If say for example if a sudden nuclear catastrophe occurs here we all will suddenly disappear only the skeletons will remain the skeletons that remain will have lot of radioactivity mm-hmm. that's number 1 so that's exactly what they found they found that these skeletons are radiating a lot of radioactive material there are a lot mm-hmm. of alpha beta gamma radiation going on even now 
and then these skeletons are in various postures you know sitting postures standing postures lying postures which means the effect was very very sudden that was yes. a sudden some catastrophe and because the skeletons are radiating beta and gamma radiation it must be a nuclear catastrophe occurred so everything correlates to what is mentioned in mahabharata the end in the kurukshetra war and this is what happened there were brahmastras and all yes. this pashupatastras they were all I mean nuclear material we just have one atom nuclear fusion reaction but there were so many then so they had to you know do that to protect dharma they had to forego all the science and technology and then mahabharata specifically mentioned when the 18th chapter right after the swargarohana after 20 years vedavyasa mentions that people used to be born with mutations he doesn't mention mutations but he mentions that there was loss of hair for people people started losing nails hair all side effects of some nuclear catastrophe that occurred mm-hmm. it's mentioned it's mentioned in the bahama but they started i mean you can just open this and then i can cite that i didn't specifically by heart those verses because for me it was just academic and yeah. then i got my answers so connecting all these dots yes. what i make out is that it was an advanced scientifically spiritually technology that we had mm-hmm. so and what we have perhaps unraveled of the past is very, very less very less because maybe 2500 years ago when we were under the guidance of chanakya under the protection of chandragupta maurya we were pretty well actually they were trying to bring out all these technologies that's why we had the nalandas and takshashilas yes. the greatest universities in the world had and then people from everywhere pythagoras they all yes. came here to learn these things correct that's what we know I mean, otherwise in you know, nalanda we, there's an observatory in nalanda even now yes yeah so okay to cut the whole story short yeah. i mean i'm totally more, i was earlier it was just a belief that india was very advanced i have a 200% conviction that it is because of the work that i did in the field of ayurveda i'll come to that work that's yes, very yes. interesting actually yeah. how swami guided me at every point yeah so with this background of what i understand about the ancient india what i understand about that glory has to be brought back to india i mean it's not my job i know sir, some way to participate job. in the, in the restoration of the vedas sure. vedic yeah, culture yeah. and heritage vedic culture vedic tradition what i thought you know okay now the problem here is that the way ayurveda is understood itself is wrong um, not total okay it's not wrong totally mm-hmm. it's infinitesimally small it's just 1 by 81st part uh-huh. of what could be in its entirety so then i realized okay now let me get back to these concepts i thought you know what is vata what is pitta and what is kapha so what is vata so vata is something that is shitala rukshana they said in the, by the rishis mentioned rukshana chalatva it is it is lagu so shitala is cold then i was thinking okay if they knew all these chemicals are present in the body and then they were still trying to understand at an attribute level they were like not understanding at a see when you try to understand the body i'll tell you what are the levels of understanding the genetic level the microarray level organelle level the cellular level the tissue level the organ level the organ system level the human yes. as a whole level yeah so what the rishis were trying to put you see what we are trying to go we're trying to go deeper and deeper and deeper we are going to go nowhere because when at the microarray level there are more things that we need to know that we don't know we would never know those things because swami mentioned many times that in modern science you open one door you'll find thousand doors shut so you keep opening those thousand doors and then you'll find another thousand so it will be 1 million doors at the next level so that's not the way so what are rishis did was they just came up and then try to understand at an attribute level 
this is the first understanding that came to me that they were trying to understand at an attribute level so which means shitala so when they were referring to vata possibly were they referring i thought to a biological environment which is cold shitala is cold a yes. biological environment could be cold only in one case when uh, at a level of understanding biochemistry if in that environment endothermic reactions take place then the system becomes cold automatically mm-hmm. so according to me i thought i mean yeah. the original translations for myself in my own mind so vata is a system vata is a biological environment in which predominantly endothermic reactions take place so that's why the system is shitala cold system cools down cools down the resultant of these endothermic reactions leads to formation of products that are cyclic aromatic compounds and aromatic cyclic compounds are volatile in nature so if something is volatile it just evaporates which means the system becomes light laghu is another property of vata mm-hmm. then when something evaporates from the system you keep the bottle open for some time you come and touch this bottle from outside it'll be slightly colder you measure the temperature it'll be slightly colder because whenever evaporation take place from yeah. any surface the system further cools down yeah. according some to zero heat, heat also escapes escapes yeah zeroth law of thermodynamics yeah. and then it cools down but another thing that happens at a chemical level is that the water molecules inside get imbibed so which means there are less water molecules now available within the systems so that's why the system becomes dry okay rukshana property of vata okay so when you understand ayurveda at this level yes. it is amazing science <laughs> because you're literally decoding what the rishis are saying yes. and it makes amazing science you're connecting ayurveda with the modern science yes because according to me modern science is on a scale of 10 it is at a 1.5 level that's all that's because all most of the time i don't know if i'm even competent to say but most of the time what you see is you're all the time looking at the symptoms you're only trying to Absolutely. cure the symptoms and sure, you're never going sure. in very rare cases you are actually going to the roots i'll tell you from the you don't have to be you know so diplomatically correct <laughs> i can tell you straight away from the who site yes. who proclaims i mean straight away mentions that it's only 15% of the diseases that are cured yes another 85% of actually we are not doctors we just managers because <laughs> that's what we do with the patient we just manage the patient you look at all the symptoms and you look at the book and just give the medicines no, not even Some that we, we i mean the best part of the modern science is very honest yeah. the modern scientists are very honest they yeah. literally mention in the you open a harrison's principle of internal medicine you literally find that they mention not cure of a certain disease they mention management Manage. of this disease Mm-hmm. so you are only managing you know the choice of words is so pretty clear they make sure that the message is well communicated this is a message we're not managing so that's what who mentions mm. on its not side yeah. 85% of the diseases are just managed okay from the 85% we have some close about 40% of chronic diseases so which means acute diseases are getting converted into we are able to help the patient to get this disease from its acute state to a chronic state that's all we are doing another 40% of this we don't even have any clue that's what the modern science says so we're not doing anything literally 15% is <laughs> literally nothing <laughs> so from their own uh, viewpoint it's just 1.5 on a scale of 10, 10. ayurveda is at a scale of 10 on oh a scale of God. 10 is at 10 because i'll tell you how why it is on a scale of 10 so for me i thought you cannot say for example until and unless anton von leeuwenhoek invented a microscope 
the westerners did not know even the indians yeah. we did we did not we, only some people a class of people knew that there was something called krimis hmm. the westerners didn't know that there were microbes it was then that they started looking at this uh, uh, microbes here that are not visible by the naked eye yeah. you need some tools for that yes so until unless these tools are developed for ayurveda you'll not be able to see the vata pitta and kapha things so i said okay i'll work on these tools and then i'll try to communicate this knowledge on a scale of 1.5 only mm-hmm. so i said okay i have understood that i mean vata pitta kapha at a biochemical level i understood now i have to create these models demonstrate it i need to show them and it should be evidence based right i cannot just say when I mean, these are my concepts i mean it should not be hypothetical it should not be just theoretical as well so what i realized is you need to create models of vata pitta kapha that's what i did what i did was again from the ayurveda the ayurveda mentions there are three kinds of humor i mean they should not be translated as humors at all they are all biological environments three kinds of environments and then the plants the food products are all classified according to vata pitta kapha again so that was I mean, I mean even the food products the are fruit classi- products are classified so that was easy for me so what i did was i took various groups of rats i took five groups of rats in each about 15 rats vista strain rats and then each of the rat was fed with vata enhancing diet mm-hmm. the group 1 was fed with vata enhancing then the group 2 pitta enhancing the group 3 kapha enhancing diet then the group 4 and group 5 were control group of rats that were fed with normal balanced diet mm-hmm. and then they were fed for 4 weeks after 4 weeks we had to sacrifice them mm-hmm. isolated their hearts measured the action potentials i mean because that's the first lesson in physiology action potentials is something the way the body communicates an external stimulus through the axon to the brain mm-hmm. there's something that happens at a receptor level in the receptor this external stimulus gets converted into the electrical energy and this electrical stimulus is transferred to the brain the brain reacts so what i was very sure was that there is a change in each of the vata pitta kapha environments the way body reacts is different that's why the rishis were mentioning only three types of reactivities and luckily i got excellent results my hypothesis got confirmed through these experiments so, so you this published was, something i published yeah it was in the year 2002 a beautiful article got published and if you can in layman terms in layman terms what were vata, the conclusions of the, the conclusions that uh, in layman terms is the vata is a hyper reactive electrophysiological environment uh without going into too deep too scientific terms it creates an environment where the tissue reacts very quick that's a hyper reactive the kapha is a hypo reactive so that's why the kapha systems are very stable and from this experiment you can derive that the kapha systems are sthira sthira is stable and sthira is one of the attributes mentioned by the rishis for kapha this experiment exactly you know helps us to exactly correlate what was told by the rishis confirm confirm that through experiments through experiment first time ever in the world this experiment was done vata pitta kapha models were created and then i demonstrated it electrophysiologically there is a difference the pitta reactivity is a normal reactivity and then we compared with this i mean it's it's a beautiful yeah. experiment it's all yeah. published okay and then i was thinking all the while because I, all the while i had been conducting these experiments again and again to verify because so all this is in russia it's it was all done in russia and then all the while i was thinking you know i always wanted to become a heart surgeon but it's not able to spend as much time as is required because of these experiments and then there was no money i had to earn money as well yes i was earning money luckily russians came in as a blessing in disguise for me because russians are very very experimentative yes and the moment you say you're from india they love you mm-hmm. 
the moment you say you're using principles of ayurveda they'll just you know they'll give their bodies away to you to experiment <laughs> and luckily what i did on one hand i was doing these experiments all these experiments needed money on the other hand i opened my own clinic a small clinic and what i did was it was about 1/10th of the size of the studio mm. and then that was being offered for 2000 a month i said okay i'll pay you 4000 but i'll pay you per hour basis so that was coming to just about $25 an hour okay i used to charge my patients $100 for my consultation $75 net profit i used to put back in the research i mean hmm. so i had to manage all this yes. i saw some of his farmers management things so i started doing these things yes. but then yeah. it grew very yeah, well and then but all the while i had this thing you know i always wanted to become a cardiac surgeon and then i was not able to spend as much time because i knew if i were in cardiac surgery i would have become something like a denton cooley or a, you know gibbon or <laughs> some greatest one of the greatest cardiac surgeons but then i just took this bold decision one decision i thought i said to myself see in bhagavad gita again explains us lord krishna in the second chapter beautifully explains us hatvava prapsisi swargam jitvava mokshasi mahim if you die in this war you will get swargam if you die you'll yeah. get swargam minimum If you win, you'll get moksha, he says. <laughs> I said, okay. For me also like this. I said, okay. If I become nothing in the whole life doing this, I'm at least always with Vedas. Yeah. I'm with God. Yeah. And if I succeed, I'll become the richest man in the world. <laughs> 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 And then again, moksha is always there. Swami is always there. <laughs> so I took that bold decision. I said, I never regretted. I so said, there's always Vargam or moksha. Both are there. <laughs> <laughs> By God's grace. See, that's, that's, I mean, again, the reference from Bhagavad Gita helped me to take this decision. So what I did was then yeah. I was working with there's some relevance to what Swami said here. Yeah. I was working with because the pitta systems looked very interesting to me. Then I picked up the pitta systems because the pitta systems were not reacting either to adrenaline or acetylcholine which means they were beyond the sukha dukha samikrutva labha labho jaya jo kind of concepts you know they were beyond the sukha dukha <laughs> labha labho because they were not reacting either to adrenaline or acetylcholine. and but still they were reacting the way they should react like the normal cells so i said there's something interesting because no one has done any work on their systems i was i mean in the university we were working with stem cells it was 2004 2005 it was the time when people around the world were working with stem cells and uh, our institute published a report that the conclusion of which was that they were able to reverse when they were injecting stem cells the heart cells heart stem cells they were able to reverse the disease but then the situation got reverted after 9 months mm-hmm. which means the disease got back they they got back the disease again okay so the similar results were published across the world and then interesting thing was that we did panchakarma there's a concept called panchakarma in ayurveda panchakarma is you do five types of cleansing procedures in the patient and then the patient gets detoxified and then he becomes rejuvenated we tested this in for one of our patients and then his blood vessels got totally cured i mean there was mm-hmm. no block in this particular patient he was walking as normal as he was walking about 10 years ago mm-hmm. with the heart disease and then we did an angiogram and found no blocks at all it was kind of a miracle for me i said well, this must be just one such case i thought and uh, another thing that i started reading was more and more literature started coming that the scientists across the world were able to find stem cells literally everywhere in the body everywhere in the everywhere body. in the they present everywhere and i said if the stem cells are present everywhere in the body why are they not actively getting recruited in the site of injury tissue injury and getting proliferated they're not repairing the tissue because these stem cells were found even in those patients that had heart attacks but the stem cells were not actively yeah. dividing to replace the dead tissue or replace the injured tissue then i realized one thing that swami mentioned in the varanda Swami mentioned there was one patient whom we wanted to do a CABG I mean bypass graft surgery 
So I was like, ah, you surgeons, you always want to cut the heart and then, you know, put your grafts. But I have not created the world like this, he said. That's in direct, in his own. He took the role of the creator. He said, I have not created the world like this, the universe like this. The solution lies right next to the problem. That's how I created the world, he said. Mm-hmm. Number one. And then number two is that it's only when there are vices that this solution is not able to cure the problem. Mm. I totally decoded this. When... Because when we were doing Panchakarma, the patient got totally rejuvenated. Yes. Which means the vices, the Kama, Krodha, the Arishadvargas, mm. when a person is afflicted by this, yeah. he automatically creates certain toxins in the body. Damages. And these toxins, no, they're not damaging. Yeah. These toxins are binding the stem cells that are present in the body. So okay. the stem cells are those cells that are present naturally in the body. You don't have to inject them. They're present in the You're body. You're restoring the curative potential of the body. Of the body itself. What you have to do is, being free of vices, you're helping the stem cells be active always. So, that's why the yogis can live as long as they want to live. The, I'm talking just about the physical body. When there is no vices, the stem cells are active and then they get recruited into the site of injury and, and then they get, yes. uh, re, they repair the tissue The injury. body is a completely self-correcting mechanism. Absolutely. Yes. So, this is what I demonstrated for the first time in the world, 2008. And following this procedure, you've been able to find cures for cancers and for so many other diseases. For, for many, many diseases. For yeah. heart, I started off with heart. Yes. And then I demonstrated for the first time in the world, total regeneration, subtotal regeneration of the heart tissue in a post-MI. You know, after we induced MIs, heart attacks, into animals, and then applying my methodology, regenerated the heart. Wow. Never happened before by not injecting stem cells, but by helping the body migrate the stem cells to the site yes. of injury. So basically just supporting the body to cure itself. Absolutely. This is the power of Ayurveda. And by God, Swami the power grace, of God in the human body. Absolutely. That the human body is like a divine being. It is. It is. It is divine being. So that's why Swami always body refers to as Divyatma Swarupala, right. he says. And we truly are. I think the more you look at the human body, the more you'll be in awe at the uh, creation of the divine. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Every every <laughs> scripture, you look at the Bible, it says, God created you exactly the way he is. He's, That's what the Bible yeah. says. I mean, every yeah. scripture that yes. I found reference yeah. to that. Wonderful. So, with this, uh, we just conclude possibly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That by Swami's grace, allergies, no problem. Asthma is no problem. Arthritis, majority of the patients got yeah. better. Yeah. Heart. By Swami's grace, very good results we have. Mm. With all because of Ayurveda. So, yeah, putting properly these, uh, connecting yeah. these dots. Yeah. Yeah. Cancer, I had had some great success with some of the very difficult and terminally ill patients from cancers. Mm. Autism, neurological disease. You mentioned many. Ma- many which are uh, considered incurable. Incurable, yeah, yeah. So, I'm totally convinced. A body is basically God. It can do anything. It can do anything. But <laughs> the body without vices can, can do anything. Exactly. So that's why Kama Krodha Lobo Mohammed Matsarya should be... You clean it. <laughs> yeah. You should clean it and then automatically you become God. Yeah. So that's why Ayurveda mentions interestingly that Charaka, the greatest sage Charaka mentions that if you are able to maintain the body in a state of health, which is the Vata Pitta Kapha should be in a state of balance at... Uh, in each of the cell of a tissue, in each of the tissue of an organ, in each of the organ system, in each of the organ system of the body and the body as a whole. Yeah. If you're able to maintain that balance for 12 years consecutively, you'll get moksha. Wow. So, Ayurveda is not just about curing body, but yes. it's, it's, guiding the it's, it's spirit. It's a Veda. It's back, a spiritual yeah, yeah, journey. Every Veda deals only with, with moksha. Mok- the ultimate target moksha. is go to God. Go to God. Fantastic. I mean, so, uh, it's really <laughs> wonderful. When you were mentioning about Vata Pitta Kapha, what came to my mind is the International Cardiac Conference, which was held in 93 and 94 here. Okay. 
though it was a cardiology conference cardiac surgery conference and swami gave the valedictory and the inaugural discourses and in in all this discourse swami is talking about vata pitta kapha oh, okay okay yeah though yeah, it was sure. a sort of a modern medicine uh, audience and you had uh, international cardiology experts and cardiac surgeons from all over the world but swami was insistent and <laughs> continuously talking about ayurveda and these sure. concepts so definitely there is so much more definitely, i mean yeah. the, it is the basis for all other kind of medicine that we see in the world sure. I, in some ways it is definitely, that definitely yeah, yeah. sure and, and then you yeah. can come up with novel mechanisms yes, and yeah. novel methods of treatment because yes. my question that i had i said am i going to die? you know i'm going to be nowhere yeah. but then swami made sure that uh, after 4 years i was invited by the oxford university to deliver a guest lecture and then became a medical advisor for the speed well being trust there yes. in the green templeton medical college so jitwava moksha se mahim yeah it's all moksha or swarga so because that's what i said because there's a problem in the world and then ayurveda has a solution wonderful sir thank you so much for coming over to the studios i know you are such a busy man mm-hmm. and uh, we had this by swami's blessings i know uh, we've done very little of what you can share but i really pray to swami that uh, we get more opportunities to sit down like this and share with people about our great culture and how i really want you to share more about how we can preserve this body you know how we can maintain this body so that this body becomes a fit instrument to be an instrument of god ultimately to reach god you have to do it through the body sure. and if you know how to maintain the body according to ancient culture according to the ways bhagwan has told us you with your knowledge and experience have been able to decode many things you know make it more simple for us and give us you know one two three four things you know that becomes very easy for people sure. so maybe in future uh, discussion sessions maybe we'll go more we'll go in detail practical, practical yeah so that yeah. which people can you know practice in the daily life sure. and so that they help them to be fitter healthier instruments as vivekananda said you have to have nerves of steel <laughs> only then sure. we can be messengers of swami like hanuman sure. thank you so much for coming to the studio thank you very much sairam sairam you just heard the third part of a conversation with dr ravi shankar polishetty a distinguished cardiac surgeon who is the head of department's cardiology and immunology ANO Research Institute for Immunopathology Moscow Medical Academy Russia as well as a consultant Department of Cardiology John Hopkins University Baltimore Maryland USA for many years under Bhagwan's explicit direction and guidance he has been doing study and research in ayurveda and has been instrumental in bringing relief to so many patients suffering with chronic ailments He is the CEO and director of Sai Ganga Panacea a limited liability company which is completely into ayurvedic research and formulations Dr Ravi Shankar is an alumnus of the Sri Satya Sai Vidya Vihar Swami School in Hyderabad Andhra Pradesh In conversation with Dr Ravi Shankar was Radio Sai's Bishu and this was recorded in October 2013 The audio engineers for this program are Mr Jagannath Rao and Abhishek If you have any feedback please feel free to write to listener@radiosai.org Thank you so much and Sai Ram <laughs>